Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. With me today is John Farragon. Hey, John. Hey, Mariana. So in previous episodes, we've talked a lot about the AATC and the Ending the Epidemic Plan. Today, let's focus on the rapid initiation of HIV treatment, which is part of the TREAT pillar of the ETE plan. To remind everyone, there are four pillars of the ETE plan, diagnose, treat, prevent, and respond. Okay. So, John, what exactly is rapid initiation of HIV treatment? All right. So, um, this is basically a strategy that's been used in in many clinics across the country um, where patients are actually linked to HIV care and started on treatment as soon as possible following an HIV diagnosis. So, you know, some clinics are are able to accomplish this on the very same day, um, some of them within a few days. But in general, um, I think the concept is, you know, as soon as you're uh, clinically recite and get people linked and, and treated the better. So it's really getting people on treatment as, as soon as possible. Um, so th- there's, different, there's different parameters for, for what that should mean, but I, I think in general, um, seven days maximum, I, I, think, I think should, should, should suffice. And this is actually what, what's in the current um, uh, International Aid Society USA panel guidelines as well. They say seven days maximum. So within seven days of somebody being diagnosed, they should really be initiated on, on, on treatment. But again, a lot of places, I think the best way to do it is the same day. And I think, um, I think a lot of places are able to accomplish um, same-day treatment. I can tell you what's, what's not ideal is, is 30 days or longer. And that's what we used to do for patients. And now that's really not the ideal way um, to, to do antiretroviral therapy if the patient's ready. Um, so to be clear, um, there's many terms that describe this strategy. So you may hear me talk about them and using different terminology, but it's called rapid ART. Um, immediate ART, um, same-day ART, RIA, which is rapid initiation of antiretroviral therapy. So there's a lot of different names for this strategy, but the bottom line is it's a strategy that's basically designed to get people on treatment as soon as possible. Right. To me, you know, on a basic level, it of course makes sense to get someone treated for an illness as soon as possible, but what's the science behind this particular case? Why is it so helpful to get people into HIV treatment as soon as possible after their initial diagnosis? Yeah, so it's a really good question, uh, Marianne, and I can tell you that the, the, the biggest piece of it is, is that the linkage and retention is improved. So um, an, another important re- reason is also a, a, co- a concept called treatment as prevention. So Many of you listening may have heard about this, but treatment as prevention is a concept by uh, if you have people on treatment uh, for HIV and they get to be undetectable, meaning that the, the level of virus in their, in their bloodstream is undetectable, the risk of them transmitting HIV to others is, is really reduced. And that's, um, that's, that's a concept uh, known as U equals U. But really, the linkage and retention piece is, is, a, big, is a big part of why, uh, why we should be doing this. Can you explain to folks what U equals U stands for and what it means? Yeah, so just to take this a step further, so, um, so undetectable equals untransmittable is what U equals U stands for. And this is a concept that has been now pretty much universally accepted um, as a key component um, to HIV prevention. And basically, this draws some evidence from many studies across different populations um, that have been done over many years uh, that really have demonstrated that, that your risk of HIV acquisition from a person with HIV infection with an undetectable HIV viral load is negligible, meaning you know essentially zero. All right. So so again, if you're if you're HIV infected and you're undetectable, 
and your virus is undetectable in your blood, you will not transmit that, that virus, uh, virus to, to another person. This is only for sexual contact, but essentially if your HIV viral load is undetectable, you cannot transmit the virus through sexual contact. And that's the, that's the U equals U. That seems huge. Yeah, it really is, I think. And I think it was such an important piece of data for people living with HIV. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stigma around, around HIV infection and sex and, uh, and also the, the concern about HIV transmission to other people for people who do have HIV. So now the way this really is kind of rolled out is that even without condom use, assuming that the partner with HIV is taking medications and undetectable and have an undetectable viral load, they won't transmit the virus to the other person. Totally. Okay, so how does this tie back to Rapid Start? So it, it ties directly back to Rapid Start because I, I think the faster that we get people undetectable, the more quickly we can say U equals U. And in general, you know, it's usually a confirmed viral load. If once you're, once you're undetectable, you have one more viral load that so shows you're undetectable, and then you can pretty much say that U, U equals U. So the more qu- quickly we can get people undetectable, the more quickly U equals U will actually apply to them. And then I think from a public health perspective, there's, there's, a, there's a, a lower risk of transmitting HIV to other people can apply to that person who has HIV. So, so in general, I think, think if people are undetectable and have, a, have a, um, you know, a second confirmed viral load that's also undetectable, that U equals U concept applies to them. Right. Um, so has rapid ART initiation beneficially studied? So, so there are some studies that are out there. Some of them are observational, um, but really studies from New York City. Uh, New York City's done a lot of this work, San Francisco, and other large clinics, and also XUS studies as well, have demonstrated that, the, that um, using Rapid Start really decreases the time to getting people undetectable. So, so the quicker you get them started, the quicker they are undetectable. And, and, and there's also been shown high rates of virologic suppression um, at, at one year in some of these, in some of these studies. And most importantly, they've improved retention of care. So those patients that are rapidly started are able to retain care, retain themselves in care more uh, for, for a more significant period of time. Um, initiating ART on the first clinic visit uh, after HIV diagnosis has really become the standard of care in a lot of the jurisdictions, and including um, New York City um, and, and San Francisco and other, other major cities as well across, across the country. Um, under the uh, San Francisco under the municipal getting to zero initiative in New York City. It's called, you know, they have those, the, the New York City Department of Health sexual health clinics are also doing this, this rapid start. In fact, not only does the IASUSA guidelines, but also the DHHS, which is the Department of Health and Human Services HIV guidelines for, for adults and adolescents, now also recommended getting people on therapy as soon as possible once diagnosed with HIV. Yeah, that definitely sounds great um, and almost too good to be true. So I have to ask, what's the catch? Yeah, so with all the things that we tell people, you know, that are probably the best policies, that, you know, and procedures, the question is, can they do it, right? And I think this is really a big question. So do all the clinics have the staff? You know, are, are the medications readily available? Um, is, is the patient's insurance set up so that the medications can be successfully provided? And these are all big questions I think we have to we have to ask, you know, as we, as we try to roll out rapid start. And a lot of places are already doing it, but I think some of the, the smaller clinics, it's more difficult because of some of these limitations. You know, while longer-term data is needed, it's also important um, uh, for, for all of us involved with HIV care to know that this, this rapid, rapid initiation of therapy is a pillar of the ETE plan, you know, the end the epidemic plan. It's really a large focus of, of what, we, what we need to do for patients who, who are diagnosed with HIV. 
Okay, so it sounds like everyone seems to agree here. The sooner we get people into treatment following an HIV diagnosis, the better. Does rapid start apply to everyone though? Yeah, so this is another great, great piece of uh, information to kind of talk about. So, you know, we know that immediate ART initiation, you know, can bring earlier benefits, you know, in personal health and making people that people are undetectable and reduce the risk of, of additional HIV transmission to other people. But for persons with acute infection, which means, you know, even people who are immediately, you know, who are, who are acutely infected with HIV, meaning that they've done something very recently and they're having all the symptoms of, of, uh, of an acute HIV infection, Immediate ART has also been shown to limit the HIV viral reservoir. So the amount of virus that gets set up in the person's body is, is lower um, during that process. So in general, ra rapid start is going to be okay for just about everybody. Um, but, but in particularly, obviously, anybody who's, who's newly confirmed uh, with a new, new confirmed diagnosis of HIV should be using rapid start. Anybody who has suspected acute HIV, so whose diagnosis may not be, be, be confirmed, meaning that we think they're seroconverting. So they're converting from being HIV negative to HIV infected. So some, some, you know, early on, really, really early on in somebody's exposure. And also people with positive results of, of HIV antibody tests before confirmatory test results are available. Um, if the probability of HIV infection is high, we can also start, start people on ART at that point as well. Okay, so who is Rapid Start not okay for? Is there anyone who wouldn't benefit from it? Yeah, so there's a couple things we have to be careful of, and I think these are two big ones. Um, um, it's, it's really kind of opportunistic infections with either tuberculosis or cryptococcal meningitis. And again, for those of you who don't do a lot of HIV care, these are pretty rare now, nowadays because most people are tested earlier and their, and their CD4 count doesn't get very low to get cryptococcal meningitis. However, TB can happen at, at any CD4 count, but it's clearly more likely if you have lower CD4. So pertinent certain people with, with untreated opportunistic infections, and again, it's cryptococcal meningitis and um, central nervous system tuberculosis, um, for whom a short-term, uh, short period of treatment for the OI is recommended before ART initiation, we generally wouldn't start, start those patients. So in those, in those significant or in those specific situations, we probably would hold off on starting, um, uh, starting rapid treatment until we kind of figured out what was going on with the patient. They had a diagnosis. So anybody with any central nervous system symptoms on their initial diagnosis, really the rapid start should be kind of held off until we work all of that out. Got it. Okay, so how do we get this going? How do we get everyone who needs treatment into treatment ASAP? What's stopping us? Well, like everything that we do in HIV, there's always some barriers, right? And, and a lot of those are, some of those are, are, are clinic barriers. Some of those are provider barriers. Um, some people don't believe that rapid start should be done for everybody. Um, sometimes there's patient issues as well, whether or not they have housing and are able to get back to the clinic. All of those things may make a difference, although some of that has even been shown in some of the studies that even despite homelessness, it, it may actually work. Um, the clinic really has to have these structures in place, though, to, to implement these, these programs. Um, I think an efficient and reliable notification about a person with a new diagnosis. So how do we actually get people linked to care and how do we notify the clinic when we have a new diagnosis in the community or even in the hospital setting. A dedicated pager is what some people do. Um, sometimes there's a front, uh, front desk staff member who's kind of in charge of, of, this, of these types of situations or, or even an, an advanced uh, uh, practice provider, uh, you know, a PA or a nurse practitioner who's always available for, for some of this. I think activation of a rapid multidisciplinary team. So this can involve a lot of different people, but sometimes it's a social worker, 
Um, sometimes it's an insurance specialist, somebody, a, a clinician, and obviously lab services, and sometimes even pharmacy is, is, is involved as well to really make sure that the patient is seen on the same day to make sure that they're, 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 they're set up. Um, so again, those are structures that have to be in place in order for you to be able to do this. So sometimes this does prevent people from doing uh, rapid ART. Um, I, think, I think we also need to make sure that they can do follow-up care within a week of the visits, that's important. But I, there's, there's also, um, uh, I, think, I think some people are, um, are hesitant to do rapid start, but I wanna say that even in the most difficult to treat populations, and these are patients with significant mental illness uh, and even homeless people, um, the, some of the data from San Francisco in particular that I'm aware of really shows that this can still work. And they have patients who are homeless and have severe mental illness and still can be involved in these rapid start programs. Um, and in fact, it, the studies even show that it actually it works. It works just as good as it did, does for somebody who's not homeless and who doesn't have, have, um, have mental health issues. So, so really, it really can be important. But how does this all kind of tie back to the ATC, right? How do we link all this up to to the um, to to NICA AETC and the other ATCs that are out there um, doing doing some of these trainings, and we have as we've discussed, the ATC really provides these trainings in, in rapid initiation, and we can talk about guidelines of people and how to implement these these plans for people and how to get people started as soon as possible. So we really we really can help you to implement these programs in your clinic if you're one of those clinics that's struggling to do it or wants to do it and hasn't been able to, um, or if you're another or if you're a clinic that's been doing it and, and has had some some uh, some challenges. We might be able to help you out with with training uh, along those lines. And also remember, even in the best of care settings, you know, food, housing, safe environments, lack of domestic violence, transportation. These are all the really crucial people for for when we're trying to decide about starting somebody in antiretroviral therapy. I think the the point of all of the data so far is that in those first few days of HIV diagnosis, that connection that you make between patients. And the providers and the other clinic staff, you know, the support staff, the, the pharmacy, the, 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 the nursing staff, et cetera. All of this, I hope, I think, and we know from some studies that this will improve, hopefully, uh, outcomes in HIV. Not just for the HIV patient, but think about the greater community and the public health challenge that HIV presents and how we can potentially prevent HIV infection from happening for other people as well by getting people undetectable as soon as possible. Okay, so let's say someone's been recently diagnosed with HIV and they've come in for their intake appointment for Rapid Start. What should providers make sure that they do? Yeah, so this is another great part of Rapid Start that has to be kind of kind of you know um, thought about when you're when you're implementing this in your clinic. And I think the main goals of Rapid Start and, and Rapid, even the, that Rapid intake visit, is really make sure they get support and counseling about HIV. Um, HIV education is an important piece about transmission, etc. Uh, and long-term effects of HIV. Uh, ins insurance enrollment is really going to be key for a lot of patients, making sure they're enrolled in either, either a private insurance or Medicaid if they qualify, or, or uh, Medicare Part D, or, Medic or um, ADAP, whatever plan um, that, the, the, you know, that the program is going to be for the person's insurance, make sure that's, that's established and set up, especially for, for prescriptions. And it's one thing to have the medical piece, but you have to make sure the prescription plan is set up as well. Baseline labs, lab tests, and um, uh, and obviously starting ART therapy. I will tell you what baseline labs, there is a list of labs that are in the DHHS guidelines that you can look at this to kind of see what you should be doing for, for, uh, for, for the initial lab test. But starting the ART is really the, the most important thing um, during the intake appointment if we can do it. Got it. And how can providers make sure that they do all of that? 
Yeah, so it's a lot of work, right? So I think the best way to accomplish, accomplish this is really a multidisciplinary approach to care. This cannot just be put on the provider. There's no way that they can accomplish all this. So, you know, teams that often compromise, or, you know, com um, uh, comprise a social worker, uh, comprising of a social worker, a nurse, a, cl a clinician, and even a pharmacist to meet with the patient and conduct the intake either together or either, either together as a group or sequentially um, at the, on, that first, on that first visit. I think all clinicians really need to provide um, the patient with the emotional support that they need around the diagnosis if it's needed. Um, some, some people are, um, I think some people when they, when they get the diagnosis of HIV, they know that they've had it or they have a sense that they may have had it. But there's some people who are really, really distraught when they get it. I mean, it's not easy for anybody, but some people, you know, obviously need more, need more support upon that, you know, diagnosis of, of HIV. I think the social worker assisting with the insurance enrollment, I think, is really key, um, including making sure access to prescription medications is, is there and addressing some of the immediate needs for stabilization, you know, for housing, for food. Again, and if there's any domestic violence issues that really need to be addressed to kind of help the patient through, through this time. But I think the clinician really has to take that, that patient history and performs that initial assessment um, in kind of a condensed format, you know, just to, just to make sure you have enough history to, to, to form a decision about whether ART is going to be safe for that patient. Um, also, when you're beginning education about HIV, uh, talking about the ART and, and, and the, the benefits of early ART and, and treatment as prevention and U equals U, obtaining consent from the patient to start ART immediately. And I also, I think, engaging in the patient to return to the uh, clinic for follow-up appointments. I, I think the bottom line, it's a lot of work, right? But I think the bottom line is that, that the people in the team um, really should have to need to be on the same, same page, so to speak. They all have to kind of agree that rapid start is, is, is important and that's a, it's an important part of HIV care. And I think encouraging um, that encouraging message of, of what the long-term benefits are and how we can further increase retention into care for people by starting the therapy as soon as possible needs to be needs to be a, a, a I think a consistent message across all members of the team. It sounds like it really has to be a team effort for this to work. Um, I have so many more questions for you, but we're out of time for today. John, thanks so much for walking us through what Rapid Start is, who it's for, and everyone that's involved. On our next episode, we'll talk about the medications that patients actually take when they start Rapid Start and what providers need to know to make sure patients start their treatment successfully. We really hope you learned something new in this episode about HIV treatment and the importance of Rapid Start. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in the Ending the HIV Epidemic Plan, visit us at www.necaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you next time for the next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.